2: collision course with the national championship, and only variable is time.
1: Because the train is rolling, so anybody
2: out there,
1: I can't tell you what's going to happen right now, but it's coming. Get on board, or get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When
2: you're like this, you can't be beat, baby! You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Podcast Network.
1: Now. Here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince
0: McCoco. Still wringing alcohol out from the clothing in which I went to watch the Louisville football game on Friday night. A victory, nonetheless. A great night. We're going to get into the details on Friday night. But, uh, man, we're excited to be back after a big Louisville football win. We went into last week very depressed. Not sure where to go. We all picked Central Florida to win. Never been. I've never been happier to be wrong, but here we are. We are back for another episode of From the Pink Seats Podcast. I'm Jacob Lane, joined, as always, by uh, Matt McGavick and Vince Lacoco And we've got a ton of football to get into tonight as Louisville walks away victorious for the first time in 2022 over Central Florida in a game that was just absolutely thrilling. I don't remember a ton of it. Again, we'll get into that here in a little bit. Uh, but... Um, a game that I, I just have watched over the last few hours, a, a game that uh, Louisville did their job in every respect of the way uh, when it mattered on defense to win. But we're going to get into all the details of Vince's game notes tonight. Looking back at the film, uh, we've got an announcement that we're going to get into here in a few minutes on the show. Uh, and we've got, uh, of course, Florida State to preview. Uh, but Ian will not join us tonight. We've got his pick by proxy. So we'll get into Five's picks. What else we got to get into tonight? Uh, just a ton of, of great stuff. We'll do a segment later on in the show. Uh, where we give out grades from the game on Central Florida, which I think is really interesting from all, all three of our perspectives. Uh, if you're following along with the show, we appreciate you. You've been tuning in over the summer, and as we get going here, uh, if you are not, be sure to subscribe to the show uh, from the Pink Seeds podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Give us a follow at Pink Seeds Pod, uh, and then give these gentlemen a follow at Matt McGavick, at Vincent Lacoco Gentlemen, how are we doing tonight? It's great to talk winning football, isn't it?
1: We're already a lot more peppy than we were last week. I guess we're damn sure. <laughs> yeah, no I, doubt. <laughs> last I feel week it was in my miserable. bones.
0: That's right. Last week was miserable. And-
1: Although I still can't pick a game,
2: right? Like I get, I'm happy we won. It's awesome. But my mental like picking of games and stuff is just still your yeah, on. You're
0: equally equilibrium <laughs> but for picking games has just been thrown off. I mean, by. to be
1: fair, looking at those teams, I don't think many people would have, would have seen like a defensive slugfest. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I don't think so. But uh, we're going to get into all the details of the game because it's again, it's fascinating to see what everybody's takeaways will be here. Um, But before we do that, let's start with the announcement of the show. We are very, very excited here to bring on a new partner. Uh, You'll start to see us out a little bit more active as the show gets wheels. Uh, we've been inspired by our trip to the studio to start trying to get out. That being said, you will catch us once a month. We're hoping that's the the, the rhythm here. Once a month, once a month live out at Kearns Corner uh, off of Bardstown Road in the Highlands. We are extremely excited. They are uh, friends of the show. They are listeners to the show. They, they enjoy what we do here. And that's what we want from a partner, somebody who believes in the content that we produce. So you'll start to see us out over there at the restaurant. Uh, we hope that you'll come out and you'll have a beer with us. And we'll start to make that more of a thing each month where we can have A little bit of either group therapy or just uh, some group celebration. So if you've not been to Kern's Corner, which I would imagine if you're a little fan that you have, uh, you are missing out. I I took the trek over there last week and got to enjoy some beers and talk football. And we're excited about the content and the the future of the partnership.
2: So just appreciate Clay uh, giving us this opportunity to partner up. And in my opinion, I mean, you know this, Matt knows this. I text him uh, whenever we put out our burger reviews. And I was very disappointed that Kern's Corner was not on there. So, uh, <laughs> as took, you should he about to have his first burger, took his yep. Kern's corner burger virginity. And, uh, you know, I think he's hooked now. That's right. You set the tone for a really strong week, man. That, that
0: burger, the patty mount was fire, Matt, you missed out, man. We got to get you out. in the public and, and, and this is,
1: this is the part where I admit that I have actually not had Kern's corner yet. So that well, needs to happen. Vince is going to start
0: to, to be the, the virginity taker over here, it appears, taking us both to Kurt's Corner for the first <laughs> time to enjoy the Patty melt. That's the podcast the episode guys. name right there,
1: the virginity taker.
0: <laughs> the virginity. We'll have to tie that into the show some point later on. And, and uh, us, No. <laughs> we take that, watch the film, break the game down. Uh, But yeah, we're excited about that. We're going to be out there, like I said, once a month doing shows uh, as we take the show out on the road and just start to, you know, whether it's watching games that are away or whether it's just doing a show on a random night of the week, uh, we'll we'll be out there. So we hope that you'll um, go there and frequent their bar, support us by supporting them uh, and come out and and drink some beers with us, because I think that all three of us would very much enjoy to meet anybody who listens and just talk football. So all that to say, football is back, fellas. Football is back, not just college football, which I know obviously it's been back now, but the NFL is back. Right. Lamar Jackson got a win against the Jets uh, in a game that was not featured on Red Zone very much, which I think is hilarious because I'm an avid Red Zone watcher uh, and nobody in my family is. And so they wanted to watch, watch Lamar. There's there no other way to watch it except for the Red Zone. <laughs> and it came up like twice the whole game. Uh, both of his, his nice touchdown passes, though, which uh, I'm really I've gambled poorly. I took DeMarcus to Robinson thinking he would be the receiver oh, that goes man. off for Lamar and oh, it was Devin no. Duvernay. Yeah, and Devin Duvernay was available. I, I
2: messed up on that one, man. I How think, many points man. did uh, Rashad Bateman put up? He, it seemed like he had a good day, too. I mean, well, he caught he that, one fifty five 55-yard bomb?
0: Yeah, he was an early, early pick guy, though. Like I, I just go man.
2: Lamar first round every year. That's what I've done since he has won the MVP. I hate but. you as a fantasy football player. I hate he that. Be, he God, beat I hate me. that. <laughs> he beat me in the championship game his MVP season. And my logic is, is I'm like, I'm, he's not going to beat me again. Yeah. Like I, mean, I refuse he, to be on the opposite. Team I mean, with I Lamar get Jackson. So I'm like, I'm going to put myself on the same team as Lamar Jackson again. Man. I just, I can, resp- I can round. respect that. Yeah. But <laughs> I,
0: that's it's I'm a fan a fantasy football purist. I don't draft quarterbacks until like mm-hmm. fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth round. Cause I'm all about my money and I want to win in fantasy football. And so I don't draft Lamar Jackson in the first round. And I hate you for doing that because you, you're against the fantasy
2: football, rules uh just for louisville it works out for me jacob i mean
1: you can be a purist as much as you want
2: jackson that's what i know is that all i do is win
0: i'm
1: not even gonna get started get it out matt get it out <laughs> no we'll, we'll be here for a while if i get it all out right now
0: all right well, have... that's a perfect time because I, we're gonna uh, be on the risk here of losing listeners who have no interest in our uh, <laughs> terrible fantasy football takes with our loser teams um so let's, let's move into the Louisville and Central Florida game and talk about this. Let me first start by giving you a little snapshot of my night, okay? Friday, just rough day, okay? Just It's just one of those days. And with everything uh, going on with Louisville not being good, not looking forward to the football game, really, because I don't expect them to win. But at the same time, you know you're a Louisville fan, Vince, just much as I am, and you start to convince yourself that they're going to win, right? That oh, starts yeah. to set in at some point. That never set in for me this week and so uh, I had a friend hit me up and say hey we're gonna go out to a bar and watch the game normally my rule is I don't go anywhere for games I stay at my house because I like to track drives I like to listen to what the commentators have to say I get a little bit nervous obvious last week I told you the story about tripping over the court and yelling at my wife I get a little bit nervous <laughs> and too into the game uh, for the level of football that I've played in my life and so I went to the bar thinking there's no chance Louisville's gonna win this game this is gonna be horrible I- it'll be convenient I can eat I can drink uh, and I can watch them lose in a place that serves alcohol. It's a win for everybody. So the first half, Vince knows I was very pessimistic very early in the game. I And I was, I was, it did not take you long
1: the- to bring out the fire. Brian Brown text. It, 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 that's where. correct. Yeah. And I will,
0: I will, <laughs> I will bend the knee and apologize to Brian Brown uh, because I was wrong. I was wrong. You're right. It very early. It looked bad because it looked like we were just headed towards the same things that we did last week, uh, when what we saw with uh, Syracuse. Uh, but in the second half, it was too late for me. I can't bounce back. I don't remember much of the second half, so I had to rewatch the game, and I'm I'm not proud of it. But at the same time, I am because it made cheering there at the very end, which I didn't really know what I was cheering for at the time, a lot more fun. So I'm excited to get into it. I've had time to. Uh, like I said, get over the hangover, ring the alcohol, and now move on and actually watch the game. And I, I'm really excited to get into it because there is a lot of good stuff um, that moving forward, if we're going to even see a slight bit of this moving forward, Louisville's going to be okay. I think they're going to get back to about the area we thought they'd be. So let's look at the game, general overview. Uh, final score, 20-14. to 14. Louisville wins their first game of the year uh, over Central Florida, who drops their first game of the year. Malik Cunningham leads the team in passing. Uh, goes 14 of 29 for 201 yards. Uh, from a rushing standpoint, though, this is where Malik really shined. For the first time, we kind of saw it. And I don't know if you all happened to see the tweet that kind of passed through the timeline during the game. I forget who it was that even tweeted it, but it, it was like, uh it was something to the tune of louisville was serious when they were trying to make malik cunningham a pocket passer i thought they were kidding uh talking about him all off season i've been yeah. able to run and i was like "That's." i hilarious. remember uh, but louisville obviously benefit from his rushing 17 carries 121 yards including the 43 yard touchdown um, and then tyon evans has another really solid game 19 for 75 a touchdown uh had a a big run uh, negated by a fumble, which is very unfortunate. Didn't, didn't really expect that. But, you know, you hope that that's just a fluke thing. Jalen Mitchell carries the ball three times for 26 yards. Uh, Jouar Jordan three for 10. And fellas, still a little bit of a head scratcher here. We have not mm-hmm. seen Trevion Cooley Trevion yet. Cooley, yep. We are two games in. And here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Uh, I, I know it's it, – the rule, I think, is four games in which you don't lose eligibility – uh from uh you know obviously from playing you get to red shirt i'm gonna be real interested to start counting games because i think for him it, it, and i'm not trying to draw lines to say his transferring or but we said somebody was going to be the odd man out we didn't expect it to be him now louisville's two games in, we have not seen him on the field once you start to kind of look at does a transfer happen uh, and those four games are
1: interesting does it does he play at all
0: is he injured do we have we heard matt any form of update from scott satterfield on him
1: for all we know, he's completely healthy. And I agree with it being a head scratcher just because I know that from a talent perspective, I mean, he's, he's got it. I mean, we saw uh, on a handful of yesterday that the guy has superstar potential. He really does. I I'll be honest. I I did not foresee George Jordan overtake Trayvon Cooley on the depth chart. I really did not. It's confusing. <laughs>
0: All right, looking at the receiving, Tyler Hudson again leads the way for Louisville 3 for 67. He had an unfortunate drop that would have been a big play. Also had a couple of plays negated by penalties, which, again, we're going to get into the penalty situation here in a bit. Mari Huggins-Bruce, all he does is make plays. Uh, Two receptions, 42 yards. He did have one rush for negative two yards, which I failed to mention before. I actually left that out on purpose because I don't, we don't, he doesn't need, we don't need to do that to him. Uh, But he did have a good game (laughs) receiving. He had the 30 yard play. They've got to get him the ball more. Uh, And then Marshawn Ford was very active. Three for 38 did not feel like his final stat line. I felt like Marshawn Ford was all over the place. Now, Marshawn was in that very, that very big play down the field late in the final parts of the fourth quarter where there could have been, should have been a targeting call. Wasn't called. They called a drop was really interesting to see what was going to happen there, but they obviously ruled that one incomplete, but still three for 38 had a couple of really nice blocks in the running game as well. Uh, D Wiggins one for 23 opened up the game on the first, uh, first play of the game with a big catch. Uh, They went back to him later, but wasn't able to reel it in. And then Braden Smith got going three for 21. Des Melton also was able to get a catch. He uh, did so right after Francis Sherman came off the field with an injury. Uh, And then uh, Tyon Evans had a couple of of plays where they dropped the ball down to him. And I mentioned the fumble from Tyon Evans, uh, which was, uh, just a drive killer. Yeah, I, I then, was
2: texting you guys before the replay. I was, I was like, "No, not a fumble. Not it a didn't. Fumble. He was it down. didn't look it like it. it. At then, first
0: glance,
1: it didn't. No, look but like then they showed they had the newest show yeah. that other camera the side angle. angle. Oh. Yeah,
0: and he's laying flat in the air, and the ball is just already coming out of the of the holding spot. Uh, and then on the defensive side. Uh, Kendrick Duncan leads the way with 13 total tackles, including 10 solo. He made a couple of of drive-saving tackles, and then Yaya Diaby with uh, six, the next leading tackler, but one and a half sacks leads the team there. He had a heck of a game. He was all over the place, man. I he think was that was absolutely
1: demolishing. Oh, for sure. For, for sure, of his best game. And he yeah. he had one of the probably top two or three plays of the entire game. It was sometime mid late third quarter where uh, Plumley kind of broke contain and was. About to convert a third down to a first down, but Yaya caught him from behind on a shoestring tackle yep. and they had to punt after that. That was drive that was a huge play right there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then a couple of other guys, Dorian Jones gets a sack. Ramon Purier gets a sack. Uh Momo Sinogo is credited for a half of a sack. Those guys were getting Mason Riger. Mason Riger Mason Mason got a TFL. They called <laughs> his a TFL. I'm always oh interested God. to see how they're gonna call those because in the moment it looks like it is a sack. He And he was also, dude, in the third quarter, he was getting after it, man. Mason uh, Riger p- was pinning his hair back. He has a back. hell of a motor. He is a serious, serious pass, rush and, uh, pass rusher. I think he's a guy, by the time he's a senior, that could be one of Louisville's leading sack getters each year. Like, I'm dead serious. The dude gets after it. Uh, Jared Dawson filled in admirably. I saw him out there on a lot of third downs with Dez Tell out on the field together, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so Jared Dawson has kind of emerged as that second or that Well, they backup. couldn't put low lay in. <laughs> well, right. Yeah, right. A- uh, and then a couple of guys, who, uh, I'm taking forever to get through this, but a couple of other guys pass deflections, uh, interceptions, interceptions, including Jarvis Brownlee uh, with the game winning interception or game clinching interception there on fourth and goal, uh, a hell of a play where he absolutely just wanted the ball more. Yeah, it, just a great play by him. And then on the other side, Louisville does a great job. Uh, stopping Central Florida. Early in the game, it looked like Central Florida was going to run all over Louisville uh, and, and was essentially going to get whatever they wanted. Penalties did negate a lot of what they did, but overall, that Louisville holds them to 339 yards, including only 131 yards passing, 208 yards rushing, which a good chunk of those came from John Rice Plumley. 83 led the team in rushing there for them. Javon Baker uh, would have Kentucky probably, I mean, I I don't know what ended up happening there with Kentucky and him, but uh, he, that kid is talented, man. He is, he is -hmm. solid. Johnny Richardson, is is really solid. Ryan O'Keefe was really solid. Um, They have sec speed and that brings us into Vince's game notes here. Let's just get right into this. It's time to get down to brass tacks. Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lacoco Vince, if you don't mind, let's, let's start with the defensive side of the ball. I want to get your thoughts um, before we dive into our man of the match uh, and give out our grades uh, because I'm really interested to just kind of see what you thought changed defensively for them in the second half.
2: Yeah, it was pretty sweet to see. It almost brought you back to the Grantham days for, you know, those of us that enjoyed uh, his defense. Uh, it seemed like Coach Brown really – up to the mugging, you know, bringing up the linebackers and uh, showing them an A, B, C gaps, whatever it might be, uh, and mixing up which guys are going to be coming and where they're going to be coming from. So, I mean, a Mike might take a dive at the A gap, and that nose tackle might wrap all the way around to the C, and the N might, you know, dive down into the B gap. Just wild stuff that they were doing out there. And then a lot of the stuff as well with those pressures, we had to pair it up with a cover one on the backside. So that's what you guys saw a lot of uh, out there, which I personally, uh, I don't mind our guys doing it. It's less to think about, you know, we're just lined up. We're playing ball. I know I have my one high safety over the top for some help if I need it. Right. Which, uh, but, but, but you're just lined up playing ball. That would less, explain. But you, and you will get beat like that. Like I did text you guys whenever – uh, there was a deep ball that I think it was Browley. Browley had a, a very roller coaster ish type of game. He really which, did. Uh, he did. He, I mean, he solidified it. The only thing anybody remembers is that interception at the end. I was really impressed with Riley as well. Thought he was flying all Riley.
1: Over. Riley should have had two picks because Should've both of those both of those routes that he undercut for those PBUs. I mean, they were. Easy interceptions, but I guess again that's probably why he plays defense.
2: Yes, exactly. The uh, what?
1: What do they say? The, the oldest wide receivers
2: played DB or something like that. Uh, yeah,
1: something like that. Yeah. But no, it's. I mean, they weren't lying. Uh The coaching staff wasn't when they said that Quincy Riley has arguably some of the best ball skills on the team, and he he showed that in that Oh, game. just
2: just closing the distance, speed from you know the moment of seeing the ball get released out of the quarterback's hands to where it has to get to point B, it was just like he blinked and he was already there, like a Tyler Harrell but on defense (laughs) moving Uh, and the linebacker stuff from the inside is what I really liked being able to send pressures with Momo, Momo getting his sack and uh, you know, Monty finally getting to be a little bit disruptive. And what we were doing was getting that quarterback to be very uncomfortable back there. These aren't, you know, Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson. Those are once in a general, those are once in a lifetime type quarterbacks, Sam Hartman, you know, he's a really good quarterback. He could probably throw somebody open. Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson, they can throw people open. But the quarterback for UCF last week could not throw anybody open. So it's like you get him under pressure. You know, you have some halfway decent coverage. He's just throwing the ball up at the end of the day. I got to tell you all, man, Debo Jones,
0: by stock yesterday. That dude, you talk about what makes you uncomfortable. What makes me uncomfortable is the thought of being tackled by that man because he (laughs) hit – uh, John Rice Plumlee hard. so hard, and that was the second dude on that play that he just blew right through the poor the poor left guard man. He just got destroyed. They, they don't call him Debo for nothing. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> no kidding. That dude is a is a certified
2: thumper on the football field.
0: He is really coming alive, and so is KJ Cloyd. Man, they both played well.
2: KJ, for a guy that uh, you know we've seen limited stuff, I've been able to. I was fortunate enough to be be around KJ before he knew the playbook. So you'd see these sparks and it'd be there and it'd be there. And this is like really the first time for me personally seeing it to where it like clicked for him. And uh, you mentioned Kendrick Duncan as well, Jacob. I mean, I had told you all my first week I was on here, I'm like, he's kind of like a Josh Harvey Clemens type of safety where he's going to come up in the box and actually hit people. And, I was really excited to see Kendrick yeah, get that opportunity. I think we're a lot better defense whenever he's a little bit closer to the box and not playing so much of a coverage type of safety.
1: Going back to the, the linebacker spark, it, it was nice to kind of see them from the first half to the second. As a unit, as an inside linebacker core, get a lot better. I believe it was uh, Keith Wynn that pointed out that in the Syracuse game and a little bit of the first half that the inside backers, like including Momo and Monty, looked like they weren't really reacting to anything. They weren't reading eyes. They weren't tracking carries. They were just kind of just arms flailing and doing whatever they want. And going from the first half of against UCF to the second half, really in the beginning of the second quarter is when they actually started to kind of read and react and make proper plays based on what the quarterback was doing based on uh, where the ball was going.
2: Yeah, it was almost like those interior linemen were just swallowing. Monty and Momo before they could even get a first step in the direction of where they want to go. Almost like they were just a one click too too short or whatever. I I don't know. To me, it seemed like the defense starting from the top, being coach Brown to the very last dude, just said F it on Saturday. Like we're going if we're gonna go out, we're going out like this. We're nuts, nuts hanging on the ground. So, which I appreciate. And I, I loved it. It was the I love sending pressure and playing balls to wall defense like that same. It's fun to watch, man. Pin
0: your ears back and go.
2: Just go. And
0: I think in game two, you know, I, I think Syracuse is a really good team. It's going to be interesting to see how the next couple of weeks play out, including Saturday, which the 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 television markets on Syracuse. Oh my God, be, I'm already like, you know, not the,
1: looking forward to this I game. They're probably on the
0: ACC network and the executives are going to look at it. They're like, oh, this is, this is great. Lafayette, great TV <laughs> numbers there. Syracuse, New York. What the hell is this? Why is Louisville so high on this list? Because <laughs> Louisville wants to see if Purdue is better than Syracuse. Uh, but all that to say, we're going to see if Syracuse is any good, right? But um, Louisville came out against a team that was fast and physical. Now, again, Central Florida, Louisville shot themselves in the foot. Syracuse shot themselves in the foot. Central Florida also shot themselves in the foot. It's been a lot of shooting people in the foot lately. There's not many feet left. No more feet left. (laughs) No more feet left for shooting after the first two weeks because (laughs) it's penalty, penalty, penalty. Like I said, 14 uh, points negated off of the board for Central Florida. Um, And that's why I'm not quite ready to say Louisville is going to be great or, you know, they're going to win eight games, nine games. But I think that what you saw was a defense that if they play like this each week, you're coming off of not having Lole out for the season with the elbow injury, which is a massive blow because of what he offers from a pass rush and a run stuff uh, opportunity. Uh, But you're talking about they built on it. They played physical. Now, it wasn't until the second half that they really kind of dropped the nuts and started actually You know, playing the Louisville Cardinal defense that we're used to. Like when I think of Louisville defense, I think of flying around with just reckless abandonment, hitting people whether or not they have the ball or not. I don't know. We'll find out afterwards, but we're going to hit them first. The last two years, we've seen tackle get worse. We've seen uh, just reading defenses, uh, reading offenses get worse. I felt like they played free. They played um, physical. They were empowered to do what they do best. And 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 guys, breaking news. Okay you don't have to drop eight people into coverage, okay? (laughs) I just want to let everybody know, breaking news, that is no longer mandatory for Louisville football. We have now seen that we have – Three corners at least that can play man, man-to-man defense. <laughs>
1: Hallelujah. It, it, it's, it's nice it's, to see. Woo, it's, praise it's, the Lord
0: tonight here on From the Big Seeds Podcast.
1: Yeah, no kidding. It's, it's, it's actually nice to see Louisville play an attacking man scheme because it seems like all last year, all they did was play a really conservative zone prevent for half the year. And now they're actually being, at least in the second half of UCF, it's very early sample size and it's way too early to judge if this is actually how they're going to be. But it seems like uh, we're starting to at least a little bit try and see some of Wesley McGriff's impact on this defense, how they're able – they don't have a problem switching from zone to playing tighter coverage going in man and still bringing pressure um, for the defensive line or the front seven off the edges because as uh, Brown said after that UCF game a lot of what their d- defensive success was was changing the pressure coming from up the middle to kind of attacking the edges to kind of counter UCF's zone read scheme and that gave UCF fits now granted Plumlee is not a very good thrower of the football Let I me mean, let's be honest here so playing a tight tight man coverage kind of helps them out there, but I mean, you can't help but be a little bit optimistic regarding how Louisville is starting to kind of adapt from a defensive a defensive schematic standpoint.
0: They've got uh, corners that can cover. They said that all off season, and now you know they proved it. Finally, you see it. But most Louisville thing ever would be for them to go back to practice and have a great week of practice. And next week, we're dropping eight in coverage again. Like that—that's yeah, what Louisville does. And I want it's on Brian Brown now. To which I, Mr. Brown, sir, uh, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. What I said in the group text, I regret wholeheartedly. It was not nice of me to say. I gave up on you way too quickly. You did give me the reasons to do so, but you did come back strong in the second half, and you you called a hell of a game. It is the best called defensive game uh, from Louisville
2: football in maybe Speaking in of two calls. years. Two years. Speaking of calls, I don't know if you all noticed, but. He had one drive where he didn't get the plays in quick enough, and that's when UCF really started to drive. They started to go tempo, gain momentum. Mm-hmm. But following that drive, Coach Brown was on it. They were getting the plays in early. Guys were able to communicate, make their checks, and get everything situated. I mean, like, let guys get everything situated and let them see what's in front of them, knowing, okay, if this comes this way, I got to go here. Or vice versa. So, I, I was really happy with Coach Brown doing that part of the game. Yeah, and especially
1: since they struggled doing that against Syracuse the entire game in a loud environment there, too. He yeah.
2: struggled with it his entire time here at Louisville, unfortunately, is uh, being able to get the plays in. But segueing that into the offense, the very, very, very first drive of the game, you know, Malik has to rip his helmet off, and he's going to the sideline, and he's complaining to either the signal or set or – Somebody about not getting the play in. But outside that, I was really happy <laughs> with scripted set. Scripted set is still coming still out of the first it, quarter, opening the game, and first series of the second half, scripted set is goaded, as we would say, for, for sure, just killing it. Uh, one thing I really enjoyed about this offense that they, you know, it's not like they just put this in. We've had it in our, the entire time they've been here is the motions. You all saw a lot more motions this week, be it Marshawn coming out as an X and just us completely flip-flopping the formation, him going into that hip set next to Malik and sending a wide receiver all the way across the other side of the formation. There was just so much movement going on that it was hard for UCF to think pre-snap, and it was easier for Louisville and Malik and Caleb, Brian Hudson, no line to be able to sit there and think about what UCF is doing and allow us to play one step faster. That, that play call, that, what I think you're talking about with uh, Marshawn just dumping off
0: into the flat, not even running a route, not, not picking anybody. He just literally ran straight. Uh, the motion was so confusing. No, it's not confusing. They just got distracted by it that he literally, Marshawn Foyer, was able to just run straight for five yards, catch a football, and then run for seven more. It was my favorite play call of the night. The motion did nothing. They didn't yeah, go to it, the player at all. They didn't even look at him, but it just <laughs> opened up the field for Marshawn and Andre where I remember just listening to him. He was like, had to have been a coverage breakdown somewhere. And I'm thinking you're damn right. Cause the guy was wide open.
2: And, and Isaac Martin had another one Same, they love doing that with him, with Marshawn and Isaac, that H back position that, that you can move that spot all over the entire field and run that offense. Uh, they had one worth Isaac where they brought him out as an outside wide receiver and brought him into the backfield with Malik. And then, you know the, I guess tell try and get uh, UCF to tell us. You know what kind of coverage they're running was just him hopping over to the other side of Malik. Like yeah. he literally <laughs> went like three steps to the other side and just got set. I, I don't know the motions. I'm a huge fan of the motions f- for reasons that you all have heard me harp on. Right. Uh, I talked about talked about Tyon's uh, vision and I still think his vision could get a little bit better. Uh, but what I was really impressed with was we had that same kind of. Not the same formation, but the same outside zone plays last week, and you saw Tyon stick his foot up, you know, in the ground and get upfield north and south in the red zone and be able to get in the end zone for uh, a touchdown. Uh, Sat also seemed like he just let Malik go. Like, he gave him designed runs to run the ball with, and I think Sat's also making the smart decision with uh, calling more outside zone plays and stuff that kind of takes the ball out of Malik's hands in the red zone. If that makes sense to you all, like, okay, let's – we're trying to run the ball in here with the running back. We can get this one yard with yeah. Tyon or this one yard with Jalen or Jawar. You know, we don't need Malik because they're going to be keying on Malik. Everybody on their mother knows that Malik's going to pull that ball and try and get around the sideline. So I think Sat kind of did – a little bit of the opposite and decided, okay, I'm going to take the ball out of Malik's hand, put it more in my running back's hands in the goal line red zone area.
1: I did think that the offense was a little bit more creative with, especially considering how they looked against Syracuse. I mean, good God, how could they be even more bland than they were in that game? But the one thing that still really bugged me about, the offense and their offensive tendencies in that game was that they were far too many second and long runs, I, far too many with just long runs and clear passing situations, period. I get that Malik didn't have that great, great of a game throwing the ball. And there wasn't really a large problem with drops in that game by local guys. I mean, I know um, Huggins, Bruce had one D Wiggins had one. He might've had two. And to, to Vince's credit, they are doing a lot more when it comes to motions and just be opening up the playbook a little bit, but they're overthinking it to the point where they're getting back to not overthinking it and just going back to, you know what, second and eight, third and seven, run the ball. Yeah. And it, that's that it's they do that far too often. It felt like one step forward, two steps
0: back. Like it, it did overall. They played better play calling was uh, a little bit more diverse but when you get into some of the key moments there's still the play calls that you expect Uh, and the 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 analyst Andre Ware he pointed out it's the second week in a row talking about Lance Taylor we're still waiting to see his impact on play call like verbatim that's what he said for two weeks in a row and I felt much much more discouraged about the offense in this game than what most people feel I thought the offense played quite frankly, pretty crap. I mean, the offensive I mean, line, guys, we got to figure out what I'm now concerned. Yeah, We're two weeks of getting pushed around. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think we saw Michael Gonzalez at left tackle for the first time. Yeah. Right
2: that's, what game gonna, game that's what I was going to, that's what I was going to say is I, uh, you know, no shade on Trevor Reed. I think that should definitely stick. I, I think my that will stick. stick as the left. I tackle. It should. I think it gives uh, Caleb a little bit more sense of the security of, Oh, I can just play my game instead of having to worry about, a possibility of something happening over here with Trevor. There was one uh, outside zone play that we ran that stuck out to me, and it might have been like Trevor's last – one of his last plays in. Uh, It was a TFL. We ran our normal outside zone deal. The O-line's on their track. But I think Caleb had to stick his arm out a little bit on that backside and just hold up for just half a second to make sure he chipped that guy so Trevor could get his first step over and get onto that – that end and uh, Caleb's guy ended up making the TFL because he couldn't get his head across and get his own man. So, I don't know if that was actually what was happening, that's kind of what it looked like to my eyes. Uh, but overall, like, I, I'm sure you all feel the same way. Like, you can see it, yeah. like, at the, yeah. after Syracuse, I couldn't see much of anything. I'm like, I don't know where we're going with this. This is going to be a long ass football season, but it's just one game.
1: I, guess. I mean, to, to be fair, the offensive line. Had this very same struggle last season. I mean, in the first two, three games of the year last year, they just kind of struggled. They didn't look particularly dominant. They didn't do a particularly great job of opening up holes for the running backs and protecting them, uh, protecting Malik. And then in the last eight, nine games of the season, they looked immaculate. They were amazing. Now, granted, last year, you had a team like Ole Miss, so they're just physically dominant in and of in their nature being an SCC team. I mean, you're playing Syracuse, and I know UCF is a physical team, but they don't compare it to like an Ole Miss. But I, I'm not gonna sound the alarm just yet on the offensive line because we kind of saw them do the same thing last year, which I was kind of nervous that that might happen. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a little concerning because I mean, Caleb Chandler is an established preseason All-American. You expect him to be able to perform right out of the gate. Trevor Reed, I mean. You can do bat flips, and by
2: Jacob Lane's evaluation <laughs> of athletes, that's all you need to be able to do.
1: I mean, Trevor Reed has a fair share of plays where he's got straight up whipped on a, on a rush.
0: When your left tackle is getting beat like that, it obviously makes your quarterback feel less secure about his placement in the, in the pocket, and I think that can explain some of Malik's quick tendencies throughout the, the, the second half specifically to kind of escape the pocket. I mean, you look at what he had in the first half, Louisville threw for, I think it was, they threw for 137 yards in the first half, but overall they only threw for 201 yards. So Malik in the second half was more of a runner and we saw obviously the 43 yard play. I think he had a couple of other really big runs, But I I just between the offensive line, that's one big uh, kind of red flag, which you're right, Matt, they have consistently struggled in this entire Satterfield era in game one and kind of have gotten stronger throughout the year. But I felt like in this game, I I kind of for the first time felt discouraged about Malika as an NFL passer and an NFL quarterback. If you watch Malik in this game. It's a lot of the same throws that you don't see a ton of reads. You don't see Malik getting to his second, third, fourth progression. You see Malik throwing quickly or really in this one, more escaping quickly. Um, kind of old Malik. I felt like Malik missed on a lot of opportunities. He had several really bad deep balls that were just either in between two receivers or they were uh, too far over the receiver's head, too far thrown underneath. I felt like the one play that, um, that really stood out to me from not ready for the NFL And this is really, really insignificant if you're talking about just in the moment, but he had this play where Marshawn Ford is is right in front of him. He's wide open. Malik has already gotten to the boundary, and Marshawn has no idea whether Malik is going to throw the ball or run the ball. At the very last second, Malik throws the ball, and he throws it so far to uh, Marshawn's shoulder that he can't get turned was around. Is this the fourth down throw. conversion? I think it might have been. Um, but it was just, and, and Andre Ware, again, he called it out that Malik's got to make that throw.
1: That's an I'll, I'll throw. defend
2: Marshawn. The- Marshawn should have made the catch. Sure. I- he made that. that catch. I will say, I'll,
1: that said, I'll side with Vince. Marshawn should have made the catch. That's
0: a routine play for those two guys, though. They've been doing that for three and a half years. And still the ball was a, it was a duck. He threw it to a a spot where Marshawn is trying to run at the same time. And then again, I know I'm not a football player. So my analysis is a little bit different, but he does have to stop, rotate back, try to catch the ball over his shoulder and continue to run in which he would have had so I don't know. It's just one of those things they're between that, some of the far outside throws, Malik is just not progressing as the passer. It doesn't look like quite yet the rapport is there with with the new guys besides Tyler Hudson. That's there. That's there for sure. 100%. Yeah, that's established. But I felt in this game more discouraged about Malik as a passer than I have in a long time. He's still two games in. He's not throwing a touchdown. But there was just a lot of bad throws. But at the same time, that's a play that a quarterback that is going to be a first, second rounder is going to make in that moment when it matters, when the game is on the line, the opportunity to seal it. And it's just a routine play. It's a routine play. And that's where I feel like we've not seen Malik yet in the first two games be able to capitalize on being a fifth-year senior. You know what I'm saying? We should be seeing him clicking and executing at the highest level with these guys. And it's still – Uh, It Just to me, it still looks like he's a little timid as a passer. He's still more relying on his legs, which as an athlete, you expect that. But I I just don't see an NFL passer in the first two games like I thought we would see
1: uh, early on. Kind of playing devil's advocate a little bit there, at least in uh, the UCF game he did a much better job of kind of spreading the ball route. No receiver no, got no more doubt. than no doubt. I mean, there were four guys who got five, six targets each and then another two or three guys below them. and got three targets each versus the like what? 10 targets that Tyler Hudson got against Syracuse. So he, he did a lot better job when it came to like, to making sure the ball was properly spread out so that the UCF defenders didn't hone in on just one pass catcher, but kind of building on what you said, Jacob, Kind of going back and watching some of the condensed highlights, it looked like not there were only a handful of times in which Malik really went through his progressions and his reads. It more so seemed like, depending on what the play call was, he was switching up what receivers were going to be his first and second reads, more so than actually going through his projections. Right, right. Maybe that's just what I saw. What do you think, Vince? Is that something you kind of picked up on? Uh, I mean, I agree with
2: you. It's getting to the points where, uh, like, there was a – it's blatantly obvious when Malik's, you know, going through his progression is where I'm kind of trying to get at, which with how little he kind of does it. I mean, he did it one time in the first drive. Just off the top of my head, I remember seeing him go from left to middle to right. It was all yeah. Yeah, It was a crossing route. Yeah, Yeah. like that's flawless. How blatantly obvious it is for Louisville fans. I feel like at this point, but man, I don't care. I'm robbing with three all day. He's gonna get it. So no doubt, man. Oh, for sure, no doubt. You know, he's the ultimate gamer. You can say what you want, and people are like, "Oh, these Lamar comparisons are unfair." Yes, they're unfair. It's Lamar they freaking are, Jackson. Yeah. Any comparison to him is going to be unfair and not, you know, Yeah. It, it's bad. I can't but, wait for the
1: Pierce Clarkson to Malik uh, comparisons. Yeah, but, but the thing <laughs> is, is
2: Malik truly is one of the top three best quarterbacks to ever come through our school. Whether you like it or not, whether he can throw a deep ball or not, he is truly one of the top three guys to come through here. Yeah, I'm interested to see if the off-
0: as the offensive line gets better and as they get more comfortable, does he get more comfortable with, with throwing in, in some of those pressure situations? Because I just, in this game, I felt like when uh, it kind of mattered from a passing standpoint, he he just didn't meet the standard of what you'd expect from a quarterback. Who's a fifth year stand a fifth year senior. Uh, but, all that to say the dude won us the game. Okay. So yeah, all of what I said, throw it out the window. Cause it doesn't matter because they got the victory. I'm simply pointing out from a, a, a narrative that we've talked about a lot is Malik developing. I mean, we even asked that, like uh, developing uh, his passing ability for the NFL. That's what matters at this point for him to get paid. And so far, I just don't think that uh, they, that he's shown, I mean, he has no touchdowns, as I mentioned, throwing uh, through two games, So let's move into the last part of this. And I want to try to do this really quickly uh, so we can transition into Fives picks and then Florida state, but I want to hand out just some grades uh, for, for a couple of players or uh, units of the team. Um, And we can do, we've kind of talked a lot through these points, but I just want to kind of put our final thoughts on these. So let's just talk about the offense from a grade perspective. I'm going to give the offense a C I thought overall, They were much improved because it was like an F in game one. Obviously, when you score seven points and you just don't do much to move the needle throughout the entire game, it's it's much uh, it's not hard to bounce back. But I felt like overall they just every single time they went forward, they went two steps back. I mean, I've written down five examples here of of opportunities for Louisville to either put the game away. Uh, for them to really secure a lead to take and put their foot in central Florida's neck. And they didn't do, and I don't need to run through these for the sake of time, but I'm going to give them a C a lot of opportunities to improve though. As The blocking gets better. The running will get better. As the vision of Evans gets better, he'll start to have bigger games. You'll see less penalties. I hope fingers crossed as the year goes on, wide receivers will start to run crisper routes and you'll start to see these things click. But through two games, this offense is, it is a massive step back from what we've seen over the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, I I think a C probably, probably great, properly grades them out because, I mean, we saw clear improvement from the Syracuse game. But I mean, the Syracuse game was pretty much rock bottom, no matter how, we, how you slice it. The players look better, the coaching, the scheming look better. But at the same time, there's a lot of room for improvement with both players in terms of execution and just doing your job and with the coaching staff with scheming up plays to put these guys in successful situations.
2: What do you think, Vance? going d plus and here's why still improvement baby <laughs> i expect a lot more out of this offense uh i know what play, the plays are in that playbook to make it a successful offense and to put these guys in the right situation to succeed uh quit with so many of these obvious second and when it's obvious to everyone that you're going to be running the football situations Uh, We can still break that tendency. There's just a lot more stuff that we can do offensively, get certain people the ball, Uh, you know, quit. Let's not put Malik in bad situations. Let's not pretend like he's a 12-step drop. Sit back and sling it quarterback. No, that's not who he is. He's somebody you have to get on the move, and it's one read, two read, and we're taking off and running. So I'm giving him a D plus.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair, Uh, but we're, it's improvement. As I said, slowly, but surely you get the win in a game that matters uh, on the road and a place where road teams just don't win. That's what matters right here. We'll focus on that. Uh, Malik Cunningham for this game. um, Again, I mentioned that I thought as a, as a passer, he was just mediocre. I, I still don't think we're seeing the passer we've seen from 2019, 2020, 2021, even in 2020, when he threw all those interceptions, you saw some of the flashes of big plays and ability to move the ball down the field. It's Tyler Hudson, Amari Huggins, Bruce, or it's short plays. Like that's really what's happening from a passing standpoint. He started five of five, got to 7 of 10 overall in the first half, and then up until the midway of the second half, he was 3 for 10 as a passer. My grade for Malik is going to be a C. Uh, I know I'm going to keep handing out Cs uh, here. Cs get degrees, baby. That's right, baby. That's right. As a C gets degree, fellow brethren, I know how that goes. You get the victory, you move on to the next week. Got to see more from him as a passer. As a runner, he was unstoppable. Um, Had a lot of of short gains, but the big ones are what you focus on because that's obviously what uh, gave Louisville the ability to, to win that football game
1: yeah no if the little offense is going to go anywhere and make any sort of meaningful improvement the passing game just has to get better and now Malik did take a step forward when it comes to you know getting better with distributing the ball which is you know a positive but at the same point whenever you complete less than half your throws you, and didn't throw a touchdown as a passer you didn't have a good game I mean that's just that's just how it is now he countered that by looking a lot better as a runner so I'm I'm going to give him a C minus because he, he did look better, but he, he left a lot to be desired in that game.
2: Going uh same as Matt C minus. Yeah, I mean, just throw a touchdown pass, man. You're a quarterback.
0: Yeah. Better bounce back this Florida state. The, the game where the quarterbacks and the team scores a lot of touchdowns Malik, I need five, six, seven, eight of them things on Friday night. Uh Let's go to the other side of the ball defense. I'm going to give them an a minus simply because the first half was It's time is a little shaky, but the second half, there is no denying that what they did from the entire half to the late part of the first half, 10 straight stops, whether it's turnovers, turnover on downs, missed field goals. They were flying all over the place. Now they did allow several big plays that were either brought back from penalties or they were able to kind of catch their ground and and make a play in the second portion of a drive. Uh, But overall, Everyone on that defense, for the most part, played well. Josh Minkins played well. Kendrick Duncan played well. Quincy Riley played well. Monty Montgomery played well. The only guy who did not play great, and it's more of because of the fact that Central Florida threw the kitchen sink at him, was a year of Yasir but he made a huge play late in the fourth quarter on defense that's like, that's the Yasir you know. Uh, but overall, the defense, man, they were so much fun to watch. And if this is the group that we get every week, I, I I'll I'll be excited because this is the Brian Brown we were sold on, was that type of defense on Friday night. That defense mm-hmm. of being able to go aggressive man-to-man, cover, make picks, uh, still get to the quarterback when they need to, TFLs all over the place, they did that. Kudos to them, 10 straight stops, man. That, I, don't, I couldn't tell you the last I, Kelly Dickey, where are you? When was the last time Louisville little <laughs> like 10 straight stops ever?
2: Look, look, man. There's no reason that App State can be beating Texas A&M, running the same damn defense that we run at Louisville. Their defensive coordinator is Dale Jones. He was the inside linebackers coach for Louisville in 2019. Oh, and he gave my favorite speech ever. Like, there's no reason that love Dale Jones. Yeah, you all see where I'm trying to get at. It's frustrating for me as a fan. (laughs) Why do you play the game? Oh, oh my God. God. He made me. I wanted to run through a wall after Dale Jones' <laughs> speech during fall camp. God bless.
0: Oh, that was our in, our introduction to, to Dale Jones on that ESPN special of him just He's like crying, crying and stuff, and, man. Why do you play the game? Yeah. But it was great to see Brian Brown on the sidelines. Um, you know, he, he was obviously jacked up. The guys were jacked up. They were flying all over the place, making plays. Um, just what you want
1: to see. Did you guys give grades? I got too excited. I don't even remember. I'm going no. at it. A, okay i'm gonna go b plus okay and i'm only saying that because it was a little bit of a really bad start and they they obviously did fantastic getting 10 straight stops the only reason i'm not giving it an a minus is because they got they did get aided a lot by ucf shooting themselves in the foot with penalties and other than that i mean
0: Yeah. Doesn't show up in the box score. So did it really happen? Also, I got to tell you guys, I'm a big fan of the, of the wild uh, or the, what do they call it? The, the, the wild Bowser or the Bowser cat, whatever the hell their formation is with Isaiah about the wild Bowser. I have forgotten the name of it already. I wrote, I wrote it down earlier because I think it's so ugly. No, man, that's a great name. Like if you're good enough to get an, uh, an offensive formation called after you, Uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't write it down. I thought I did, but, uh, I think it's called the wild Bowser. Uh, I loved that. It It was dope. That guy is a, is a, is a really solid running back. And for Louisville to hold him to like 25 yards in the second half was extremely impressive. Um, okay. Final part of the grades here, uh, the pass rush, specifically part of the defense that I thought stood out, um, first half weren't quite getting there. It felt like they were all trying to kind of find their groove, but in the second half, we've talked about it. Mason Riger was getting after the quarterback. You saw Jared Dawson making plays in the backfield. I am going to give them a B plus. I thought this was their best game uh, of the season. Obviously, I thought it was their best of probably the last uh, several games that they've played. Uh, they've got to get Yasir to uh, like figure out how to get him more involved. Uh, but if they continue to play like that, man, it's going to be it's going
1: to be fun to see a, a legitimate pass rush for the first time. I think I'll give it a B, maybe teetering on B minus because they did a hell of a job in the second half. The only thing, that's – it's I know it's a one man affecting my grade of a B minus, but I mean, Yacir Villa's got to get more involved. I, I get that a lot of that is offensive line countering for his, uh, his, his ability and he's sending double teams at him, chipping him, doing whatever they can. But of his caliber, Yacir needs to find a way to kind of counter that. In in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to go B-plus, and I agree with what Matt said. Uh, I told I told you guys going into the year, we were talking predictions on how you see her was going to be doing, was I didn't think he was going to be having the, I don't know, first-team all-ACC numbers that everybody was thinking just because he is that much of a factor on the defense. And it's a double-edged sword because, I mean, yeah, it's a respect thing and it's cool, but, shoot, you want to get yours at the end of the day. You want to get drafted and, you know, be a yeah. big impact on the game and – uh you know, it just kind of sucks. He'll find a way, though. I mean, he's a damn good athlete and he works his ass off. And Brian Brown and those guys, they'll, they'll dial something up for him. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll see at, a big Yassir sack uh, here pretty soon. It's like hopefully it, against his old buddy Jordan Travis.
0: There, there you go. Get reacquainted with, with him there. But it, it's like almost sometimes with football players, I'm sure it's it's like that basketball homage where they say you got to see one go through the net just to feel confident in yourself, whether it's right. a free throw or a layup. Yassir just needs one to kind of. Remember that flavor, what, what that, what the flavor of making a big play in the backfield is like, uh, and and I feel like once he does that, he's gonna be good to go. Uh, you know, you know what's For now, he's a game? solid decoy, man. I mean, at worst, they're blocking him yeah. with tight ends and 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 left tackles. So you let's know do what it. This
2: game played into well was uh, the Derek Dorsey TP narrative of yep. uh, the D line being one of the standouts of the year for this upcoming season. They play like
0: that. Yeah, I mean, Yaya Diaby yeah. is is absolutely it played his best game. Ashton was all over the place. Uh, you know, again, they, they just they made plays that mattered. All right, let's wrap up that segment here of looking at the Central Florida victory for Louisville, a, a big victory, and now it's uh, on to play another week of Friday night football as Florida State will come to town. Uh, we'll get into the Florida State preview momentarily. We will be right back. Louisville and Florida State will play on Friday night at home in the season opener. Florida State will come in uh, 2-0 and on the season with a lot of rest under their belt. 12 days of rest since opening the season in week zero with Duquesne and then having LSU, uh, it feels like a century ago now, but uh, knocking them off in their, their first big game of the season there on Labor Day uh, weekend. And now Louisville will get a team where they're hot. They're wanting to be a top 25 team. Louisville bounce back against Central Florida. Louisville's going to be at home. It's going to be a packed crowd, probably one of the bigger crowds of the season, depending on what happening, what happens throughout the year. There's tailgating. There's beer, which Cardinal Stadium beer. It's got something in it. I don't Undefe- know what it is. Undefeated. Unde- that's right. It's undefeated, and I can't wait. I cannot wait to sip that sweet nectarine of Cardinal Stadium beer on Friday night. But this is a game where I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is Florida State good? Are they back? Or is LSU not very good? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure. What does our family think here on this show?
2: I, I mean, <laughs> LSU is not very good. I'm not sold on F- FSU very much. I don't know. I, they're a very undisciplined football team. They always will be. And you can yeah. beat them with motions and bad eyes and things like that. I mean, it's they're very undisciplined.
1: I mean, I, I, I hear what you're saying, Vince, but I, I watched a little bit of that game. I mean, even though that game was played in the Superdome, that's pretty much LSU territory. Anytime you you go to Louisiana and beat LSU, because Brian Kelly, Coach O, Les Miles, they're they're gonna get dudes, and just beating that their crop of dudes with your crop of dudes. I mean, that I'll says something.
2: Do,
1: yeah, and Florida State does have NFL dudes on there, especially on that defense, and just kind of looking at this the the box score from there, Jordan Travis had a pretty decent game, 20 for 33, throwing 260 and two touchdowns with no picks. Uh, no one particularly stood out rushing the ball, but uh, Trish on Ward, 16 for 49. I mean, LSU's front seven is pretty nasty, so I can see that. But Omario Wilson, he looks like he might be a problem, the receiver for them. He had seven catches for 102 and two touchdowns. I mean, the, against that LSU secondary. I mean, I know they're, they're I think they lost, who was it, Stingley? who got drafted for yes, the Texas. yes yeah but he
0: didn't play last year if i'm not mistaken was one of those guys that's that right out. yeah so
1: yeah i thought that the florida
0: state game was more uh, against so lsu obviously came down to the blocked kick on the last possession which
1: honestly Jackson, florida state should have beat them like by a whole touchdown knock. it took a muff punt for lsu to get back in that game yeah uh, but the guys making plays were louisville guys they should be on our team
0: but uh here yeah. we are watching them for florida state and florida state yeah. You know, they've got, they've got the ability to run the ball and they're certainly going to do that. They've already rushed 92 times on the year for 538 yards. They have three backs over a hundred yards, uh, which Louisville has two with Malik and with Tyon uh, Evans, obviously Malik's the quarterback, but these are two teams that are going to run the ball a lot. Jordan Travis has, has shown he's an improved passer. already thrown for 467 yards completing uh, 64% of his passes compared to Malik Cunningham, which let me pull this back up here in front of me. Uh, 58% of his passes so um, you know in terms of being able to to kind of lead an offense and and do all those things Jordan Travis has uh, so far done a little bit better job obviously the the opponents with cane where kind of these numbers have given Florida some of the lopsided advantage obviously are one thing but you mentioned it Wilson the Wilson bros I have no idea if they're related or not but they have two receivers with the last name Wilson uh, who are (laughs) their top two receivers that's got to be two guys related to each other if not uh, that's Awesome. That's awesome. Uh, and then you've got, you know, a couple of other guys who are showing that they can make plays, uh, and, and Micah Pittman, who is he related to Michael Pittman? Do we know? Is this a brother so, no. on the show tonight? <laughs> but when you look at the defensive side of the ball, that's where Florida state is, is really solid. Jared verse. I, I Gave a couple of different people hard times for rating Jared Verse ahead of Yasir Abdul on any defensive lineman slash edge ed, rusher chart. and He's
1: looked good for the first couple games of the year.
0: My dude's looking like he's going to follow in the footsteps of Jeremiah Johnson and be a, a first-round pick. So the the Florida State defense and then uh, Tatum Bethune, who was a top uh, tackler was last that, year. US UCF, yeah. Yeah, it's now the leading tackler for Florida State through the first part of the season. Uh, and several other guys there on that defense, they've got a, a, they finally have kind of built back size and athleticism that they've been severely lacking. And then you look at this, this series, though, um, it's a really interesting series. And in the fact that it, it's been back and forth the last couple of years. Louisville's won the last two before that. Uh, really, it's been a 2 2 2 2. That's how it goes. Uh, Louisville yep. lost the first two matchups in 14 and 15. You had to come back in 2014. Louisville starts that game 21 to nothing. I think is what the score was, maybe even 28 to nothing. Florida state comes back with Dalvin cook and Jameis Winston win that game next year, they lose that one. And then you have the Lamar game in 2016, the following year, Blanton Creeky hits the game winner on the road uh, down there in Tallahassee. And then the, the two back-to-back, should have been wins with Juwan pass. I mean, Louisville should have been four and O and really should be six and O against Florida state over the last six years, they lost both of those games on play calls that late in the game that should not have happened. And so it's just, Now the momentum is in Louisville's favor, but now Florida State is the team this season that everyone's kind of getting behind as being the surprise team potentially because they beat LSU. This game just feels like nobody has any idea what anybody is going to do. Is Florida more, is Florida State more the LSU Florida State this year? Are they more what they were last year when they were undisciplined and they couldn't make plays and the offense sputtered? And is Louisville more of what we saw week one against Syracuse? Or are they more week two? What we saw against Central Florida. I don't know. I don't. The only the only certainty about Friday night is that the beer will be flowing out of Cardinal Stadium's taps. That's and the there, only thing. And there, the there will
1: be a football game played Friday. That is the only be Because I think this is exactly the type of game that's going to maybe sort of set the tone in a way for the rest of the season, in that it's really going to. Play a huge role in determining like what the identity and what the courses are for each team, and like what is going to be the most identifiable features about this. Because when I look at Florida State, they do have some of tendencies of their past two Mike Norvell coach Florida, uh, Florida State teams and that they are not very disciplined at all. Like they they commit a ton of penalties, they shoot themselves in the foot semi often, but to counter that, they've got dudes especially on defense because they, they've got Jamie robinson who was a first team all safe uh, first team all acc safety last year um uh, marion cooper's a really good corner we already talked about jared verse who looks like he's like jacob said is going to be filling in the is filling in the footsteps nicely of jermaine johnson and just jermaine, that, that whole
0: thank you i said jeremiah whole... i thought that didn't sound right when i said that thank you for <laughs> correcting no. me there
1: you're, you're fine like that whole uh, that defense inside the ball for for florida state is littered with potential nfl talent the thing is it hasn't really come all together so far in mike norvell's tenure at F, in uh, the and, and the same can be said with the offense now they did put up 24 on lsu which we're not sure how good lsu is but i mean Early returns on Jordan Travis look promising. Treshawn Ward looks really good. Um, uh, Ontario, Ontario, not Ontario. Yeah, Ontario, Ontario not
0: Wilson. People. And and uh, God, I just exited out of it. But Johnny Wilson is the other. They're not related. They're not from the same place. But Johnny Wilson, are you ready for this? This dude is six, seven, 235 pounds. Yeah. That Thank is a big ass receiver, dude. Holy Damn. cow. Damn. I, I don't think he's a tight end. I'm, I'm, I'm pulled his box score up here as game logs. Cause I'm like, that's impressive, dude. Six foot—that's Josh Chichester out there playing football for Florida State. Is what that is—that <laughs> is impressive. Mm-hmm. I would love a six foot seven wide receiver, dude. That—that's like one of those football things for me. Like if you can get a six foot four cornerback, six foot seven receiver, get yourself a you know a, a a Lamar Jackson type runner at quarterback. I'm all for that type of football dynamics. I'm all about the flash. If you can't tell, Vince is about just putting people in the dirt, and I'm over here like. Give me a defensive lineman with that wears number zero and has a neck pad, and I'm sold. Uh, but <laughs> this game, I think it's going to come down to a couple of things for Louisville, uh, and it's going to be a lot on the offense, of course, but defensively, can you stop Ontario Wilson coming off of that, that, that big game against LSU? Two touchdowns, 102 yards. Louisville has been susceptible to big plays through the air, whether it be Jarvis Brownlee, Quincy Riley got beat a couple of times. Game one, uh, and control. Clark still does not look like himself at all. I mean, he's played better. He's been in the slot a lot, so he's been blitz. I mean, he's played in the card too, which has been really interesting. He's blitzed a lot. Yeah, he's been playing more downhill and kind of a tackle uh, on the on the run game. Uh, but can these guys do what they kind of they did, but better from, from from last week? Can they cover you know the receivers of Ryan O'Keefe, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson? Can they get these guys? covered enough to be able to win the game and and we know that Louisville is going to have I, I think the upper hand on Florida State's offensive line what you're going to what you're going to see is a, an offensive line for Florida State that is built to in my opinion uh, be able to run the football but i'm not so sure that they can pass protect when really have pressure applied to them we obviously saw jordan travis get blown the f up last week by that monster of that a defense dude <laughs> which again you talk about vanity football players if you got a rolled up jersey and the backpacks <laughs> out the back and you got a six-pack coming out dude and you got the big grill face mask oh my gosh man i just love that that dude was a beast but he got thrown out because he tackled Jordan Travis like like you would tackle me if you got the opportunity <laughs>
2: yo that's <laughs> ridiculous that was so weak. Jordan Travis yeah. I mean that it was just football play. That's no, definitely a football. A football.
0: We've seen a lot of targeting the first couple of weeks of the season, but I, I think offensively, can you capitalize when when the defense hands you these opportunities? In 2020, the defense constantly gave the ball back to Louisville's offense, and the offense would turn it over. Uh, and then last year, it was the offense that would score, and then the defense needed to stop, and they couldn't do it. Can we get two sides of consistent football in this game? If they do that, guys, I think they're going to win this game. I do. I think if you get just slightly better offense less penalties you continue to tackle continue to get pressure and your corners can cover their receivers I think that Louisville can build upon what they've done over with Florida State the last couple of years where they've come out hot and they've been able to get leads and then they've kind of fallen back because they've either taken their foot off the pedal in the second half I think that Louisville has Mike Norvell's number Scott Satterfield has his number they have Florida State's number I know that Jordan Travis is hungry to kind of squash whatever that beef is with with Uh, and then Jarrett Jackson obviously has become a more important member of their defense. These guys were in this video, ultimate trolling of Florida State. <laughs> Kudos to them. They did great Yeah, that. That was
2: good. That was, that was, good. <laughs> that was, that was but good. It
0: all comes down to can you drop your nuts and make a play when it matters? Can you, can you on third down not freaking go off? Can you not go off sides or get a false start? Can you not get an offensive pass interference? Like, can you not hold on? Like, we just – every opportunity Louisville has so far this season, for the most part, they're committing penalties and they're making a mistake specifically on offense. Can they clean that up at home? Big crowd, a lot of noise, a lot of excitement. I think, I think they can. And, and I think that this, like you said, Matt, this is a trendsetter for the rest of the year. I texted you guys earlier in the week. I think Louisville still could be on track to start four and one. I don't think that's out of realm of possibilities. Like, I know you got to beat Florida State, and then you've got to obviously take care of South Florida, and you got to take care of Boston College, but this is a big opportunity here to get going and really build momentum and beat another really solid team in your freaking recruiting grounds, man. I can't speak enough about how much that matters for
1: Louisville. Oh, it absolutely does, because, I mean, when you look at the the schedule now, the the first part of the schedule looks even weaker than we thought it did because, I mean, USF is still, I mean, they look maybe a little bit better. They're, they're not, not still good. not
0: good. They're not good. No, they're
1: not good. Yeah, no, they're not good. That's that's <laughs> enough of me trying to sing their praises. I mean, they're they're not good. Boston College looks looks not good at all because their offensive line is, I mean, complete and utter dog shit. Break, Let's go. Heart, I Matt? think us three your heart, go. Let's go. Shut, recruit. Shut no, no,
0: no, no. This is the ultimate scenario for him because we can just go recruit two other guys and us five can go be Boston College's offensive line. Matt wants nothing more <laughs> than to block for Phil Jerkovich. That's what Matt wants in his life. So I bad.
1: like Phil <laughs> Jerkovich and Jeff Happley. Is that so wrong? <laughs> I want to be their starting
0: center, is what Matt says when he watches
1: Boston College football. Anyways, USF doesn't look good. Boston College looks extremely beatable because of how bad they're o-line is and virginia is just come is coming off a 24 to 3 thumping to illinois you would think that brennan armstrong would ha- would look a lot better than i think he had like 180 yards and two picks against the illini come on now yeah so yeah. i mean you realistically could start four and one if you beat florida state you really it's a, could it's a big if though
0: but vince it is my a big friend if. oh ever since you arrived Louisville's been doing okay with Florida state, man. They've been doing okay. So what's the secret? What's the secret? Tell me what the secret
2: sauce is. The thing with FSU, like I said before, they're undisciplined. You got to get out on the move with them. You got to, you know, have crossing routes and things like that to where the DB's eyes aren't in the right spot and you can hit them for a big play over the, over the top. Uh, you got out physical. If you, they're a team, you know, up front, if you punch them in the mouth three or four times, they're not going to like it after a while, and then they're going to be all, you know, frustrated, pointing at you did this, you did this, you should have did this. And, you know, that's kind of – at least my experience of Florida State, that's kind of their thing is if you can get them finger pointing, then you've got them. And uh, I'd say we had them finger pointing in 16, and 17 was obviously a close one. and 19 and 20 – 19 was the one that hurt the worst. That was – ugh. Keon Wayfield dropped a touchdown in the end zone, hit him right in the chest. I'll never forget it. Back corner.
0: Now let's get in predictions here. I think, you know, overall, obviously for Louisville, it comes down to a couple of things. Can you not shoot the feet that you have left? We're still working to figure out how many are there. Um, Can you avoid penalties on key downs? They did it again. Satterfield talked about in the first game, third down penalties. They did it again this game. They set themselves back. Can you correct that? Can you tackle? Can you make sure that some of those laps plays where – uh Louisville or uh, Central Florida had penalties that came back can you clean that up and make sure that the coverage is there make sure the tackle is there Uh, and then can you on offense capitalize can you block better can you make plays in the passing game and if so uh, I think Louisville wins this game I'm going to go ahead and predict them to win this game 27 to 24 I think it'll be close I think both teams will play better defense than they do offense Um, and what is our thing we're going to track this week how many sacks do they get on Jordan Travis? That's what we'll do this week. How many sacks on Jordan Travis? I'm gonna say Louisville has five sacks this weekend. Five sacks at home. Uh, Yaya Diaby gets a couple. Yaseer will get his first of the season. Maybe Ashton gets in there again. Maybe we'll get another Mason Reiger big play in the backfield. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Louisville
1: there with the defense uh, bringing in lots of sacks. What do you guys got? I, I'm gonna go, uh, and I, I promise I had this for drawn up before you even set it but i'm going to go 28 24 not to okay. one up you and prices right you but i mean this is a team that louisville when if everything goes well they they probably do match up well against i mean they've had recent success against florida state in the past i still don't think they're quote unquote back i think they're maybe better than they were last year uh, but i still until they fix their discipline issues they aren't going to be able to be able to take that next step and with it being at home, I, I do think that kind of adds to that factor because we've seen how much like a home atmosphere has impacted not only teams at Louisville plays, but has impacted Louisville. So I'm I'm going to go 28-24 Louisville wins. I'm going to say they get three sacks on Jordan Travis. Okay. I like it.
0: I like it. All right, Vince, finish this up, man. What do we got?
2: I'm going 35-21 cards. And uh, I'm going to say – I'll go in between you all. I'll go four sacks. How about that?
0: I like it. So we're all on board. That I think it's good when we're all unanimous. So far, well, it's not good. We lost week one. Obviously. I just want to be all right. Football. Yeah, no, I just want to be right, get one right. I just want to get one right. Because <laughs> right. uh, we are technically all 0-2. So as a show picking the game so far in terms of who's going to win, we're, uh, we're unfortunately 0-6 uh, so far. So hopefully we can bounce back here and have a much better performance. It's a big game for Louisville. You turn around, you get South Florida at home the following week, uh, and then you really start to get into the meat of your schedule in the ACC. Uh, and Louisville needs to get going. They need to get going. They've got to start to try uh, and play sound discipline, three-phase, four-quarter football. That's that's uh, That sounded good right there, Jacob. Three that, phase, that, that, that is Coach speaking. Oh, we got three-phase, four-quarter football. Yeah.
2: Damn that right wouldn't impress Derek Wood. There you go.
0: All right, that's going to wrap it up for the show. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at Pink Seats Pod is where you can find the podcast. Subscribe anywhere you get your shows. Uh, follow these guys at Matt McGavick, at Matt underscore McGavick, at Vincent Lococo. Check out Matt's work uh, on, the, on the Louisville Report of Sports Illustrated. Check out stateoflouisville.com and the State of Louisville Podcast Network. We're getting into the, the fun part of sports season where all the sports are going to get going at the same time. So a lot to come there from all of the shows. And as I mentioned, Kern's Corner. Make sure you guys check them out if you've never been, if you've never had the patty melt. Be be sure that you uh, tackle that off of your bucket list this week. Uh, And be sure that you're staying tuned and listening because we would love to have you come out and support us and join us for a beer this season at the corner. Uh, But until next week, fellas, when we come back here for a victory, go Cards.